go to work, go to school, go to the gym, go home. This day is errand day, this day is chore day, this day is recreation day, this day is church day. Various ways we all fall into routines in the way we do life. We develop predictable patterns that we follow daily or weekly. And yet if we're not careful, our routines can turn into a rut and we can wind up metaphorically treading water. You know, when we tread water, we generate a lot of activity, but we don't actually move forward. Sometimes this can happen with our faith. Sometimes we wind up spiritually treading water rather than walking with God in an ongoing spiritual adventure. One way to break that pattern is to recapture the idea of pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a spiritual, excuse me, it's a physical journey with a spiritual meaning. It's a journey that moves us forward and upward, raising our eyes beyond the routines of life to focus on God. And our spiritual ancestors, the ancient Jewish people, give us a vibrant example of this in Scripture. A rich ritual of Jewish life was to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. People would come from all over Israel and even foreign lands to participate in Passover or some other major spiritual event. Jerusalem was more than 2,000 feet above sea level and the temple was on a hill in that city so people walked up. They walked up toward the city and up toward the temple. And as they walked, they sang. They sang as a community and they let their voices ring together to ring out over the roads and the paths and the temple steps and the temple courtyards. And they didn't sing just any old songs. The songs they offered as praise to God were special worship songs from the Bible. Specifically, Psalms 120 to 134. These are songs of spiritual pilgrimage. And they are called songs of ascent because the focus of each person's journey was up. Going up to Jerusalem, the city of God. Going up to the temple, the dwelling place of God, to worship God. Going up to be reminded that our pilgrimage has a destination. To be with God and with God's people. Each psalm of ascent has, has a theme which captures important elements of our journey. And today we're starting a series of messages in these psalms. And the goal is to help us stop treading water spiritually and embark on a daily pilgrimage with and toward our great And our pilgrimage begins when we recognize that we need to be rescued by God. And we cry out to him for help. Because the reality is God and God alone can rescue us. And that's the message of the first Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 120. Let's take a look. Psalm 120, a song of ascents. The psalmist writes, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you and what more besides you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. 
Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Now, now this isn't a very upbeat psalm. But that's a key part of the pilgrimage message. Our culture focuses on pleasure and happiness, but the spiritual journey never begins with contentment. It begins with distress. It begins with discontentment. It begins when we're dissatisfied with the temporary pleasures of life and realize that we need to be rescued from, by God from the lies and deceit of our culture. You see, every culture has lies that lead people away from God. The psalmist faced that reality in his day, and we face it in ours. In his commentary on this particular psalm, Pastor Eugene Peterson applies the psalmist's words to our modern world. And he writes, Rescue me, Lord, from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire. Rescue me from the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy. From the lies of politicians who who pretend to instruct me in power and morality. From the lies of pastors who leave the commandments of God and hold fast to human traditions. Rescue me from the person who tells me of life and omits Jesus. From the person who is wise in the ways of the world and ignores the movement of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are so many lies in our culture that we could add to this list. One of the most tragic, destructive lies of our modern society is that we can look at the heart-rending tragedy of an unplanned pregnancy that ends in abortion. And we can look at the heart-rending tragedy of a terminal illness that ends in an assisted suicide. And we call it health care. Oh, oh, we need God's help to be more spiritually aware so that we do not unthinkingly accept the deceits of our culture that lead us away from God and his truth. And yet, the problem of deceit goes beyond the culture. It goes to the very heart of who we are. You know, looking at ourselves honestly is one of the most difficult things for any of us to do. And rather than admit our own weaknesses, we'd much rather blame others, so it's tempting to always point a finger at the culture. If we want to be rescued by God, though, we need to be aware of our own broken and sinful condition. And that's what's so refreshing about this psalmist. He's honest with himself. He wants to be rescued from a culture of lies and deceit, yet he recognizes that his own tongue can be part of the problem. He needs to be rescued from the unhealthy cultural influences around him. And he needs to be rescued from himself. In verses 3 and 4, he uses a distinctive literary device we sometimes see in Scripture where he, he speaks to a part of his own body. He speaks to his tongue about how God will bring severe consequences as a result of his own deceit. And because a psalm is a poem, and because poems rely on symbolism, he uses non-literal images, such as God piercing his tongue with arrows, and burning his tongue with hot coals. 
to remind himself that God has little tolerance for liars. And the truth is, our tongues need to be constrained. And that's why addressing the problem of, of the tongue is not confined to this psalm. It's a recurring theme in Scripture. For example, listen to these words from the Apostle James. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James 1.26. Those are strong words. Words that you and I might instinctively recoil from. Yet they're words that we need to hear because an unbridled tongue is so destructive. And those words I just read from James are ones that the psalmist clearly would agree with. He needs, we all need to be rescued from our own tendency to shade the truth or hide the truth or, truth or manipulate the truth to our best advantage. We need to be rescued from the lies and deceit that come from us. And so as the psalmist here journeys with God, he looks at his world and then he looks at himself. And then he looks out again at his world and he asks God to rescue him from conflict. And he does this by mentioning Meshech and Kedar, which are very distant locations. One is far to the northeast of Israel and the other is far to the southwest. The tribes in these places are strangers to God and in this spiritual poem of pilgrimage, they're a metaphor. A metaphor for people who are hostile to the spiritual life. So the psalmist doesn't actually live in these places. He's using them as symbols to show he's, how he's surrounded by such people. People who want to distract him from his spiritual journey with God. You see, the psalmist is a pilgrim in this world. He's on a journey with and toward God. But some of the people around him are not. The psalmist's real home is not here because his home is with God. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as children of God, we have this incredible dual citizenship. We're citizens of the world and citizens of heaven. And therefore, we face the daily challenge of living by faith in the midst of people who do not always agree with or honor or affirm our, our faith. People who want to derail our pilgrimage. And that, of course, can lead to conflict. And the psalmist makes it clear that he wants nothing more than to live peace. He simply wants to pursue his pilgrimage with God, yet those around him want to make war. Not literally, but metaphorically. And so when he speaks, people come after him. And when he speaks, people challenge him and contradict him. And when he speaks about peace and tries to live in peace with others, they will not have it. And this desire for relational war largely comes from outside the community of God's people. As we read in the Bible, Israel's faith in God often was attacked and undermined by outsiders who had no interest in God. And sadly, 
relational war sometimes comes from inside the community. Again, as we read in the Bible, Israel, Israelites, excuse me, faithful Israelites sometimes were attacked by insiders who lost sight of God. Insiders who bought into the lies of the culture and no longer were interested in being rescued by God. Insiders who worshipped other gods or who worshipped the pursuit of power and who engaged in, inter- engaged in behavior that caused internal warfare among God's people. The history of Israel isn't pretty because there is far more relational war between the people of God than peace. And there even is, at one point, more than just a war of words, there is a war of arms. There's a civil war between God's people and it leads to a period known as the divided kingdom when the Jews lived in two separate nations. And I find it almost beyond belief. God's own people engaging in armed conflict with each other. What a tragedy. And you know what? The history of the church isn't necessarily much better. Over the last 2,000 years, church dissension and church fights have been far too common. Now, thankfully, we don't engage in armed conflict. We don't have civil wars. But, you know, we do have church splits. Because our wars of words can be extremely ugly. Very, very tragic. For all of these reasons that the psalmist writes about, we need to be rescued by God. Rescued from the lies of our culture, rescued from our own deceitful attitudes and actions, and rescued from practices of conflict rather than peace. So where do you find yourself this morning in your own ongoing spiritual pilgrimage? Do you need to be rescued by God from lies or deceit or conflict? If so, then the psalmist points the way. He urges us to cry out to God in prayer and ask him to save us. And if you or me, if we are spiritually treading water in any way, invitation of this psalm is to let God rescue us. Let God rescue you so you can keep moving forward in your spiritual pilgrimage with and toward our great God.